Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello and welcome to the following on podcast from Talk Sport. I'm joined by Neil Manthorpe as we saunter across the outfield. Uh, another beautiful day here in Port Elizabeth. Actually, it's a little bit too hot. Breeze is not quite making up for the 29, 30 degree heat. So yeah, I know back home, sorry about that, but I do have to mention it. I'm a journalist. have to report the facts. It's hot. Uh, and uh, if the weather people here are to be believed, weather may play a part. We've had a look at the uh, strip that's going to be used today. Spoke to the grounds person. Uh, and we're just uh, sauntering over to the uh, the main stand. I don't know. It's, it's, it's how we referred to it yesterday. It's where the band play. And, uh, I mean, me and Jared yesterday were talking about just how much we love this ground. Jared's seen cricket here. I haven't. Where does it stand for you in, in world cricket in terms of... Uh, your favourite places to commentate and watch the game? To commentate, top one. Um, and uh, as far as the ground is concerned, uh, it's definitely in my top five. Um, it's, uh, you're so close to the action, that's the point. The commentary position, just to explain, is absolutely perfect. And it's amazing that it doesn't exist anywhere, anywhere else in the world. A couple of grounds at the West Indies are quite close, but it's one floor up and only a couple of yards back from the boundary. In the old days, you used to be able to open the windows. I think they've sealed them closed now. But you could, you could, you would literally a bowler at the top of his run-up would sometimes turn round and glare at the commentary team because he could hear what they were saying. So I, I love it, and it's just beautifully looked after. Uh, you mentioned uh, the head groundsman, A.D. Carter, I've known for many, many years. But this outfield is absolutely stunning, isn't it? I mean, it's yeah. Well, what do you think of it? Well, I was saying yesterday that I've been so impressed by South African cricket grounds. I said that to you today, actually. Um, you know, I was wondering whether Port Elizabeth will be able to keep the standards as high as what we've seen at Supersport Park, which for me is a, 
it's a classic cricket ground uh, and that really surprised me how much I enjoyed watching cricket there. Cape Town was pretty much as I expected but then you've got Table Mountain and it's impossible. Uh, what I found with, find with Cape Town is that you walk around, uh, you know, minding your own business and you get your milk in or you, you go and get some, uh, some biltong or you, you're getting your, your mobile sorted and then suddenly you look around and you're anywhere in the world really and then you look up and there's this... <laughs> one of the most you know one of the natural wonders of the world just kind of like sitting there and it's just a reminder of just the splendor of the place port elizabeth you know it just ticks so many boxes for me really you've got uh, character within the stands themselves those strange brick watchtowers small little box like scoreboard with the band i can't wait to hear them in full flow a little bit of a grass bank um and they kind of feel that the ground has kind of been built as 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 years have gone by which i i love about cricket so full of character you know the breeze from the sea the fact that it's close enough to town so if south africa are batting well bowling well the crowd can can come in when they hear news of uh, heroic deeds. I like it. I think this is the oval where maybe Cape Town is Lords. Lord, Cape Town gets all the press, but this place, I think, looks pretty special to me. And we'll have to do a podcast one day from the Duck Pond, because that's the Duck Pond end, and that is the uh, Graham Pollock Pavilion end. Um, but uh, the, And the Duck Pond Grandstand is the massive one behind us. That's the only sort of recent uh, development. That's where the hospitality suites are. Um, and that dominates the Duck Pond end of the, of the ground. But as you say, the main grandstand, we call it the band stand, obviously, because that's where the band play, is enough, just enough grass banks and areas. And, and, and a couple of the old stands as well, which are really nice, that... Um, the, the, the little old media stand is still made predominantly of wood. Um, it's, it's rotten, there's beetles and all sorts of things in it, but it's lo- lovely to watch and they just keep sort of thinking about knocking it down and they can't get the money to, to, to rebuild it. So it just stays there. It's the old, uh, old press box centre. But as you say, there's, uh, you know, there's three or four little, small little stands with their own character and some personality. The Duck Pond Grandstand was uh, the great, stand that was going to transform St George's Park and of course the old locals were up in arms but um, it works now and, and in fact it was built uh, in the in the early 90s so it's actually looking quite dated now <laughs> it sort of fits the character of the ground. Absolutely I was a bit surprised when you said it's a, a modern development because it's kind of it's, it's got a weathered feel to it already which I think you need. It matters in hand you mentioned uh, we've seen the pitch it's under not quite tarpaulin but it's under cover there's some grass there isn't there um there's patches it's a bit brown it it certainly looks quite rough in 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 parts as well and alongside it there is um a worn strip which you can imagine the ball will be bounced onto or you know um and reverse swing at a ground which is known for reverse swing is almost certainly going to come into play so jared yesterday you know, looking at the data and uh, on his experience of this ground, expecting attritional cricket. Um, but you, and he mentioned you yesterday, very much of the view that actually they've worked very hard here to turn it much more towards a results pitch. And from what we saw today, um, you know, it, it, may well, it may well turn out to be the case. Yeah, it, um there's a bit more grass on the pitch uh, without getting too technical, but it's eight millimetres rather than the six at, uh, uh, that was at Newlands. So there will be a little bit more seam. Interestingly, um, 
A.D. Carter show. He did. He the groundsmen still do the key test. You know that. The wow. old Tony Gregg. Good old Tony Gregg, eh? Yeah. Well, A.D. Carter does it, and so he took his keys out, um, and it was a fair, you know, two inches long. He's pushed it straight into the pitch, which indicates a lot of moisture, mm. unusual amount of moisture, um, and uh, and he's done that on purpose. So I mean, uh, there there will be lowish bounce from time to time as the game goes on, but it's the wind, and this again, I, you know, it's. Uh, there are all sorts of idiosyncrasies that particularly coastal grounds have in South Africa. But when the easterly wind blows off the ocean, there's a little bit more moisture in it. And that's the swing bowler's wind. That's the bowling wind. When the, and that comes from the ocean. Um, so uh, uh, then the, east, the westerly wind comes from the land, from the, from the Karoo, the greater Karoo. It's a lot stronger wind and a really drying wind and that flattens the pitch out there's no swing and uh, and that's the day where you want to bat in your hand when you get a westerly wind that's when you want to bat interestingly there is a westerly wind forecast for friday the second day of the test match um and so uh, i wonder if joe root knows about the he mentioned some rain on days four didn't he the days three and four but it's you know it for the first couple of days he needs to know what the wind's going to be doing I tell you what, there's so many va- so many vagaries attached to uh, to Test cricket, and you've got to love that. It's going to be a real conundrum at the toss, uh, whether to bat or bowl. Uh, we're just watching a man who can do both very, very well. Uh, ICC Player of the Year Ben Stokes is striding across the outfield with a, a man who scored a century in the last Test match. How different will he approach this game, Dominic Sibley? But yeah, well, let's I tell you what, you mentioned Joe Root. Why don't we hear uh, him in conversation with Andrew McKenna? Let's start with a couple of things from yesterday first, Joe, if we can. Uh, first of all, the news that Jack Leach is going home. I mean, blimey, the bloke's been through the ringer, hasn't he? Yeah, he's, he's had a really tough winter. Um, uh, picked a very serious illness out in New Zealand, um, man- managed to recover well for it and, and get himself back on a plane to be uh, in contention for selection out here and picked up two more very serious illnesses. It's been really tough on him. Um, now he's shown a lot of courage and character to, to try and get through that and get ready for selection but I think it's got to the point now where we've got to look after him as a person and his well-being and his his health uh, and give him an opportunity to, to get home and get himself right and you know, hopefully uh, be select, be ready to, for selection for that at Sri Lanka tour. Also yesterday was officially a day off. We were here doing some bits and pieces and I'm sure I saw you strap on a pair of pads and make your way over to the next big Graham Thorpe. Was that just a case of you just felt you needed a few more balls to be where you needed to be going into the test? Yeah, and I was ill the day before, so I missed training, so I I didn't want to be left short actually coming out of today's practice session. I'd rather feel I got everything in yesterday and could ease off today. And as I say, I think it's been really important that... um, we're fresh and we're ready to go for this game. I know we've had an extended period, but with three days practice, you don't want eight days on the bounce of guys working really hard. The intensity that we, the guys have, have, have shown over those two days has been outstanding. Um, and I think it's important to, to give guys opportunity to unwind and relax and mentally stay fresh in a, in a long series like a four-match one. You've mentioned the team. We've spent days picking it for you. Have you picked it yet? Do you have an idea of what you want and therefore you want it confirming or are you completely neutral and even on the whole thing and what you see over the next few hours in those nets will determine it? No, I, th- I think we've got a good idea of where we're at. Um, but at the same time, I think it's really important you give give guys an opportunity to impress. And the, the beauty of it is we've got three very talented seamers all pushing cases that have got an array of skills that can uh, counter a number of different surfaces. So... Um, I'd say that's a really strong position to be in. Um, we've just got to make sure that they're, they're fit and ready to, to handle five days of cricket. 
important. You keep saying three seamers. Everyone's talking about Wood or Archer. For you, Chris Wokes is still very Absolutely. much in the mix. Absolutely, he is. You know, he's a fine Test cricketer, fine performer. Um, you know, he's, he's got back from an illness at the start of the trip, and he's worked very hard to do that. So, um, yeah, his name's still in the actual. England last played a Test match here 15 years ago. You can look at stats and, and trends and whatever. How much are you going to look at that and how much is actually important to play with what you see with your own eyes? I think it's important to look at you know history of the ground and um, what's gone before and stuff. And, and not just English history here, but you know, more recently what, what's happened in Test cricket, uh, opposition teams, what's happened uh, when, when South Africa have played here in the last couple of years. Um, and and you know, weigh that up against what you see right in front of you. I think that's always the challenge. I think Test cricket's always developing, always changing, the surfaces always changing as well so having a good idea of, of what you're likely to come up against is is obviously important um, but you know not going all in on that and um, being quite pragmatic about the understanding of of what you see uh, tomorrow morning obviously I mean pretty much every time we talk we say oh it's a big test match this one there's no such thing as a small test match in truth but actually this one whoever wins this knows they can't lose the series this is a big one isn't it yeah, as you say, every every game's huge, um, but it's really pleasing coming away from Cape Town, um, levelling it up. Feel like we played unbelievably well as a, as a group um, with a young group of players, and that the challenge always for a young team is when you've performed well, can you back it up? Can you not make sure you don't rest let, rest on your laurels, and um, you know you're ready to to try and get better and and take a, a forward step, not a sideways one. So. Um, that's, that's, the, that's the message for the group this week, if you like, is use that as a stepping stone, uh, take every bit of confidence from it and the way we approached it, uh, and make sure, at very worst, we match our efforts and our attitudes and how we approached uh, each and every session of that game. So really, the conundrum facing England, unlike Faf de Plessis, we'll hear from him a little bit later, is uh, whether to pick Joffre Archer, Mark Wood or possibly Chris Wokes. I mean, from your vantage point, I think well, I mean, from a commentary perspective, we all want to watch either Wood or Archer, I suppose, just in terms of the sheer pace and the excitement that brings to Test cricket. But, you know, if you're in the South African camp, of those three, which one would you be secretly hoping will play tomorrow in this third Test match? From a South African point of view, um, Archer um, and and. You know, it's funny. There are things that that you can say about the South African team that I can't say, and there are certain things that I can say about the England team that I get the feeling that people don't want to say. And and, that, and Jofra Archer um, in the first Test match to me had an absolute shocker. I mean, he's taken you know he took a five wicket haul, five for 103, and I get it. And you know, we just heard. Joe Root in his press conference say quite animatedly he's young he's very young he's at the beginning of his career he has to learn um, you know that was the that was the fourth most expensive fifa in test match history and and at crucial times when England were on the verge of getting back into the game he maintained and persisted with a short pitch line of attack that was clearly uh, the wrong line of attack for that pitch and those conditions. Um, and and so, you know, Joe Root's not going to say Joffre had a shocker at Centurion, he kept bowling short balls and was leaking six runs and over and he wouldn't listen to me. He's not going to say that and he might not be thinking that, but that's the impression I get. And people don't want to be too hard on Joffre Archer because because 
because he's a he's a treasure, isn't he? And everybody wants him to do really, really well, and they're you know con- concerned about over overly criticising him. But from a South African point of view, if and I suspect this is the case. He got drawn into an ego battle by the South Africans, and that was why he kept persisted on bowling short. Then, from a South African point of view, if he's young and vulnerable, and he's and he's going to make mistakes like that, then <laughs> let him play. Mark Wood is an interesting one as well. Though. I mean, you were commentating on his uh, fast bowling spell in St Lucia, third Test match of that series. I mean, he hit heights. And uh, he hit the speed going at around 95 miles an hour. But again, would South Africa be too disappointed to see him come into the side? Bearing in mind, he hasn't played a game of competitive cricket since the World Cup final in the uh, middle of July. There's a lot of talk in the South African camp about Mark Wood and a lot of respect. Um, I don't know where it comes from. They haven't had too much personal experience of him. Perhaps they saw that match in St Lucia, that test match. And I must say, that was one of the ones that made the hair on my arm stand up. Mm. I can think of maybe you know a dozen test matches in, in 30 years that I've really, really been on the edge of my seat. And Mark Wood was... Awesome, wasn't he? Completely, completely inspiring. Alan Donald did it uh, a few times, and Wakar and, and Wazim, and um, Dale Stain most recently. But yeah, that was that was phenomenal. He's bowling at you know, 95 miles an hour and and picked up five wickets, won the Test match. So there's a lot of respect in the South African camp for for Mark Wood, and um, and 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 I and I mean this, uh, and I. I I really, I really do. I'm not saying this for effect. Although Jofra Archer may well become one of the all-time greats, and he might end up with 400 test, but 300 test wickets, um, he'll end up with more than Mark Wood. That's for sure. Um, but right now, here and now, in this moment, I think South Africa would prefer to face Jofra Archer if they feel that they, that he can be vulnerable. Interesting stuff. Uh, it's not just England with a selection uh, dilemma. Uh, Faf de Plessis speaking in the press conference uh, prior to the match. Uh, suggesting that they may go in um, with a, a different uh, member of the team to the one that took the field at Newlands. Considering the uh, possibility of maybe looking at someone like a, a Pato, um, but we haven't decided on that yet. Obviously, for who would be a big, big, big question that we need to answer. Um, and, and we'll do that this afternoon um, to see who, who would be for. The, the nature of the ground, uh, the conditions here, the style of bowling, um, that, that can work at St George's, um, but yeah, if you do that, obviously you are going in with one less um, batter or spinner, um, and there's merit in both. You need a spinner at St George's, and you also need a longer batting lineup. So it's not an easy decision, um, but it's something we're just talking about. That's just the, the options on the table. So what's the thinking behind that then? Uh, surely not drop a spinner here. Um, strengthen the batting, weaken the bowling. We've kind of been here with South Africa before, haven't we? You know, you, you go in with Philander and uh, Rabada and a spinner uh, and probably Nokia, and then, you know, Philander pulls up lame and you're done for. We saw that in England. We've seen that from South Africa before. Yeah, exactly. Faf was saying, we're very keen to play Dane Patterson because he's been the, the leading bowler in domestic cricket and he's been a real tour de force once again in training. The batsmen have, uh, have all rated him very highly. So they want to play him, but then as he said, where? We've got to find a place. Unless England agreed to play 12 aside. Um, it's, it's well, that not... would get Archer and Wood in the side, yeah. I suppose. <laughs> exactly. So what is it, Pretorius would make way? 
Uh, yeah, it would be it would be Pretorius, but you know, he, as he said uh, again, Duplessis said that, that you historically have needed the extra batsman here in Port Elizabeth, so there's no there's no way of of fitting him in. But Patterson is a swing bowler, um, and I know that um, that uh, that South Africa have done they've done done their work on the wind forecast. Hopefully, England have as well, um, and because of this very very worn dry strip next to the match strip the ball will be thrown in uh, by fielders and bounced onto that and it's it's hard I mean it's really abrasive and it'll be it'll only be a matter of overs um, 10 overs literally to change the condition of the ball enough to to bring in reverse swing test match against Australia here five years ago the ball Dale Stein was unplayable he was, at, was just and the ball was reverse swinging in the 23rd over now South Africa reckon that they did it by throwing the ball onto the old wicked ends. But as we now know, <laughs> the, the Australians may have used a, a, a different method, a d- different approach. Well, uh, it's all going to be uh, live and exclusive. i tell you what, before I finish, how badly would Jimmy Anderson like to play on this pitch, by the way? Oh, day one especially. That's, that's really going to be an easterly wind, um, just perfect for him beautiful length swinging it both ways this this I mean it's ironic that you know he's gone down injured just before this test match because this would have been his ground that's a shame um, well look you can follow all the action we are actually starting our broadcast an hour before the first ball of play on day one here at Port Elizabeth in the third test match so uh, tune in to Talk Sport 2 from 7am UK time uh, Steve Harmison will be a part of the uh, Alan Brazil breakfast show he's flown home replaced by Matt Pryor but uh, yeah you won't miss anything all the action live and exclusive on Talk Sport 2 so uh, stay tuned to that uh, that brings us to the end of today's podcast so Uh, tomorrow's show will be a post-match review of day one of the third test match between South Africa and England please subscribe and review on ACOS iTunes or Spotify and thanks for listening the following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism and this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.